morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten speaking to you from Ottawa, Canada. As longtime listeners of our show and now perhaps first-time listeners will learn, each and every week we unpack the weekly portion of the Torah that is read on Monday, Thursday, and Saturday in synagogues throughout the world. The Torah portion, the Torah, the five books of Moses, is divided into 54 parashiot. And as I indicated, each week, one of those selections is read. Each year, the Torah is read from Genesis, known as Breshit, through Deuteronomy, Devarim. And then in the liturgical cycle, we restart our reading, which allows each of you and our guests and I to look for nuances within the portion each and every year. Our portion this week is entitled Naso, meaning to count. It begins in the fourth book of the Torah, Numbers, Bamidbar, in chapter 4, verse 21 and continues through the chapter 7, the conclusion of chapter 7. Let me give you a brief overview of this parasha before I introduce our guest. In the previous parashiot, in the previous selections, there has been a head count of the children of Israel taken in the Sinai Desert. In this week's parasha, a total of 8,580 Levite men between the ages of 30 and 50 are counted in a tally of those who will be doing the actual work of transporting the tabernacle during the Israelites' 40-year journey in the wilderness. Completing the head count, which began last week and actually the week before, the Torah now introduces us to a procedure or a law known as SOTA. It was the uh, procedure by which a wife suspected uh, by her husband of unfaithfulness to her husband was subjected in a manner of determining the truth of his suspicions. Also, in this week's Torah portion, we have the law concerning the Nazarites. The most famous, of course, was Samson. The Nazarite, who forswears alcohol and lets his, or in this case, her hair grow long and is forbidden to become contaminated through contact with a dead body. In addition, Aaron and his descendants, the Kohanim, are instructed on how to bless the people of Israel, which became colloquially known as the priestly blessing. The leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel are then invited to bring an offering for the inauguration of the altar. Although their gifts seem to be identical, and each is brought on a different day, 
and is individually described by the Torah. Well, it has some interesting and more interesting sections. And with me this morning to discuss it is Rabbi Bradley Bleefeld, who has uh, graced us with his wisdom in the past. He has, uh, he is currently the rabbi at Temple Beth Hillel, Beth Abraham in New Jersey. And prior to that, served as a rabbi in Erie, Pennsylvania, Columbus, Ohio, and in Philadelphia. He is one of the earliest experts in interfaith marriage and family programming. And he has a wide uh, experience, um, both in the secular world and in the religious world. And it is a great pleasure to invite and welcome Rabbi Bleefeld to our show. Welcome. Thank you, Rabbi Garten. Um, as you pointed out, this Torah portion has the most wonderful blessing in found in the entire Torah, the priestly benediction. And what has become a beautiful response throughout the ages is that originally this blessing was reserved solely for the priesthood and today continues to be left completely in the most traditional segments of the Jewish community left completely to that group of people known as the Kohanim, the priests. So this blessing is known as Birkat Kohanim, the blessing of the Kohanim. Correct. But we in the liberal movement have democratized this blessing and made it accessible to every rabbi, to every parent, every grandparent, and everyone and anyone who wishes to offer the sweetest, most beautiful words of blessing to their family members, to their congregation, to people worldwide. And it is simple in its language, but profound in its hope and dream. The blessing, as many people know, um, and Rabbi Garten, would you like to quote it for us? Sure. So the priestly blessing, which, as we've just indicated, is um, known as the Birkat Kohanim, um, is um, known uh, to many people. I'll recite it in English. Um, and perhaps some of you listening will recognize it from its use not only in the synagogue, but in some de Christian denominations. Um, in the traditional congregation, the priests would raise their hands and form a uh, V with their fingers, perhaps best known as uh, Dr. Spock from Star Trek's. Um, greeting. So let me then quote it for you. Um, in Numbers 20, number six, verse 22, and the Lord spoke unto Moses saying, speak unto Aaron and unto his son saying, 
In this way you shall bless the children of Israel, and you shall say to them, May God bless you and keep you. May God make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may God lift up his face to you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. So in its purest form, it's very clear. There are three lines. May May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Third line, may God's countenance be lifted upon you and give you peace. Very simple. It's beautiful and used by clergy all around the world, by parents, family, and friends. But it contains some deep, important meaning. First, we will note that line number one contains three lines. I'm sorry, three words. Line number two contains five words. Line number three contains seven words. Now that's in the Hebrew. The English would be um, longer. um, So perhaps you could recite the Hebrew so that they could hear it. The first line, Yevarechecha Adonai V'yishmerecha. Three words in Hebrew. The second line, five words. Ya'er Adonai Panav Elecha V'chuneka. The third line, seven words. Yisa Adonai Panav Elecha V'yasem Lecha Shalom. So there's a numerical progression. Three, five, and seven. If you add three, five, and seven together, you get 15. Why is that important? Because at the end of the Torah text that says, this is the way you'll bless them, and then you will put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. What in the world does that mean? Here's the simple clue. 3, 5, and 7 equals 15. In Hebrew, we use a numbering system to write out the number 15. And in modern Hebrew, we use a 9 and a 6 in order to avoid God's name. Because if we use the letter for 5 and the letter for 10, we would be using God's name. So for our listeners who may know Hebrew, the Hebrew letter that is equivalent to 10 is the Yud. Correct. And the Hebrew letter, which is equivalent to 5, is the He. Correct. So that in writing it, you would have Yud He, which would be seen as one of the ancient names of God. Exactly. So... The Torah is instructing the priests to place this blessing over the people of Israel. And how will they do it? By pronouncing these 15 words, which numerically adds up to God's name. Thus, how clear that statement is, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel. That simple two-letter name allows the people to understand 
and throughout the ages allows those who have learned the secret to understand that by using this blessing, we place God's name upon the people we wish to bless, the people we love, the people we care for, the people we respect. So when we want to bless our children or clergy who want to bless the congregation or lay leaders who want to bless the community, anyone who wishes to offer the most beautiful and simple words of blessing, they speak these 15 words in Hebrew and place God's name upon the recipient. And for what purpose? Perhaps the most beautiful purpose, the first line for long life and prosperity, the second line to guard against evil and wrongdoing, and the third line for God to answer prayer and fulfill our deepest requests. Could there be a more beautiful statement of hope, a more beautiful word? of of dream and desire for children and grandchildren, family and community. And it's accessible to everyone who's willing to open the Torah to Numbers chapter 6 and recite that blessing. For in the liberal community, as I said earlier, it's no longer reserved to a very small segment of the Jewish community's leadership. It's available to everyone. And in truth, each of these three statements contains two blessings. May God bless you, number one, and keep you, number two. That's in the first line. In the second line, may God's face shine upon you. That would be enough. But the end of the line is, and may God be gracious to you. And the third line, may God's countenance be lifted upon you. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thought that God's countenance, however we might define that literally or figuratively, may God's countenance shine upon you. And then the very last segment of the blessing, and may God be gracious to you. Those of us who are people of faith, and those of us who are questioning, and those of us who are not even sure, would we desire anything more from the divine presence? If there is a divine presence, and those of us of faith think so, believe so, would we want anything more than the divine presence being gracious to us, lifting us up? and having the name of God placed upon us in our everyday lives, in our relationships, in whatever it is we do and think to make the world a better place. That's why, in my opinion, this is the most beautiful sentiment of blessing that one human being could ask upon another. Not that we bestow blessings, we human beings do whatever we can to make the world better, but blessings ultimately 
come from the divine and the inspiration through us to do the best we can and be the best we can be throughout our lives. You've shared some beautiful thoughts with our listeners about the power of the priestly benediction. And you've helped them understand um, through the use of gematria, the assigning of numerical value to letters and finding um, hidden meaning. In this case, not so hidden, but um, meaning um, from what appears to be a seemingly um, unimportant progression of words. Um, and you've alluded to the fact that often parents bless these children, bless their children with these words. Um, is there um, a special time of the week or a special time of the year that parents might use these words with their children? Well, you bring up a really important point. The priesthood would originally offer this blessing only at very special times, very few times during the year. But we in the liberal community have not only democratized these words, but opened it up for usage whenever we wish to convey our hopes and dreams to the people we love and care for. So, so perhaps on Friday evening, as the Sabbath begins, that's a wonderful opportunity to gather children and grandchildren physically or perhaps electronically and by whatever means so that our children and grandchildren and perhaps those who are lucky enough, great-grandchildren, can hear the voices of their family members offering this prayer for their well-being and husbands and wives, and those of us who live with good neighbors and community, to hear these words and to, to offer the hope that that day, if it's a special day, special occasion, or that week, or whatever that time may be, should be a time to pause and offer the possibility that life can be as sweet as it can possibly be for the people we care for. The liturgical tradition seems to place this blessing uh, on the uh, pilgrimage festivals as well as Yom Kippur. So the pilgrimage festivals, our listeners may remember, are Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot in which the ancient Israelites were uh, called upon to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem and offer a sacrifice. And of course, it would have been their lifelong uh, goal to make that pilgrimage. But once the temple was destroyed and uh, liturgy, a fixed prayer book liturgy replaced it, this uh, blessing became a central part of these pilgrimage festivals um, in order, as Rabbi Bliefeld has said, to remind us of the unique nature and happiness of the occasion. 
So Passover would be the occasion of the Israelite redemption from Egypt, and Sukkot would be the holiday of Thanksgiving of the harvest, and Shavuot would be both the uh, observance of the spring harvest, but also acknowledging the receiving and accepting of the Torah at the revelation at Mount Sinai. And so this blessing that you've spoken about so beautifully kind of is a seal in a way. You know, we seal these special occasions with these words. Um, And so I want to thank you for that. Um, Are there other occasions when um, you and your congregation would use these words? Would you use them at the end of every religious service? Or um, would you yourself have special um, pers- special times that you would use it? Yes, actually, I use these words regularly, often but not always at the end of a religious service. When there is a bar of bat mitzvah and they've concluded their teaching and the, their presence in the synagogue. I open the ark, the cabinet that holds the Torah, and call them before the ark and place my hands on their head and offer these ancient words. Some of those students even start to cry when I say that. And then at the end of every wedding I do, Just before the groom crushes the glass, I offer this blessing over the bride and the groom. When when there's a baby naming or a bris, there's the opportunity to bless that infant with these ancient words as well. It's interesting how even this ancient blessing has been massaged into modernity. Um, the Reconstructionist movement, the fourth of the four major religious movements in North America, um, introduced um, in its democratization of the blessing the tradition that um, on Shabbat morning or on the festivals, that um, individuals would spread their prayer shawls over those standing next to them and offer this blessing on their neighbor rather than inviting the um, elite caste of the Kohanim to bless the congregation. And the image is quite beautiful. Um, Tali Tote, the Jewish prayer shawls, uh, spread over the congregation um, remind us of the uh, Sukkot Shlomecha, the uh, tabernacle of peace that's spoken of often in our liturgy, that God, we ask God to spread over us a tabernacle of peace. And so the Reconstructionist movement has introduced that. It's a very powerful moment in their service, and I'm sure that um, other communities have adopted it. Um, it appears that, in fact, um, the Italian Jewish community first introduced this notion of um, fathers blessing their sons with placing a prayer shawl over them. 
Um, so you've hit on something quite powerful about this blessing. Um, it's used on Friday night by children. It's used, um, as you said, at weddings and bar and bat mitzvah. It's used at the end of um, services, whether it's a Shabbat or um, a special occasion. Um, I want you to just spend a, one more moment um, speaking before we conclude um, why you think this blessing has um, emerged as one of the most powerful blessings in religious history, because it's certainly copied in Christian um, churches, not all, but many, and um, the notion of blessing certainly um, is a very powerful uh, notion in all communities of faith. So just share with us once more why you think uh, this would have been the um, penultimate blessing of Torah. Thank you for asking me that question. My response would be, many of us throughout history, perhaps not every human being, but many, have a deep desire to be blessed. Perhaps in the happiest times, and also in the depth of our difficulties and our struggles. Rabbi, bless me. Father, bless me. Priest, minister, imam, bless me. Dad, mom, grandma, grandpa, could I have your blessing? I need easy words. I need acceptable words. I need words that I can say that I can use to respond to my child, my grandchild, my wife, my husband, my community, my neighbor, my friend. Simple words that I can offer with the hope that God might indeed have that divine name placed upon that individual for well-being and to respond to that simple request, would you bless me? Could you bless me? Could you find the right words? I don't have to make it up. I don't have to compose it. I just need to open Numbers chapter 6. Well, I want to thank you for being my guest and helping our listeners understand the power of what we call the priestly blessing. My guest this morning has been Rabbi Bradley Bleefeld, and we thank him for his erudition. You can hear our show broadcast on CHRI 91.1 um, this coming Sunday or as a podcast on chri.ca or anywhere you download your favorite podcast. For Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten, wishing you shalom and a good day. Shalom.